This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm Bob Asman, your host, and I'm really glad to have you back for the new year for another series of great podcasts with great guests. And we're kicking off the new year well um, along those lines with Rhonda Bowen is joining me today. I think you're going to enjoy hearing about some of her approaches and techniques to building your professional career. So with that, Rhonda, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you here. And uh, please introduce yourself to our guests. Well, thank you so much for having me, Bob. It's wonderful to be starting the new year with something very new. So you and I have just met, and I think it's great that we found a way to actually get together and do something new for the first of the year that will also hopefully be helpful to all of your listeners and make sure that they have a very successful year coming up in 2024. Um, about me, I'm a person who is probably sort of unexpected for what you would think. If you're listening to my voice and say she's an American, you're right. Uh, I have a very American Pennsylvania accent, but I have lived in Germany since 1983 and I've had my own business here since 1988. So I've just marked 35 years in my business. And I think it's important to know that those of us who grow up in one place and live in another place see the world in a very different way. And I think that's extremely important for all the people in customer experience because all of us know if we're inside a company, we see things differently than the people who are outside the company. Mm -hmm. And therefore, living in another country, having worked with people from more than 70 countries personally in the same room or on the same screen in my life, is a very important part of what I do. And I believe the fact that I started on a farm, a dairy farm in Pennsylvania, and people say, what? A dairy farm? Why, why does a dairy farm girl from Pennsylvania get to Germany, where she lives now, and does these things with people all over the world? Well, I was fortunate. My grandfather was very international, although he never traveled himself. He bought and sold cows and sent them all over the world. So as a child, I had a cow in very various places, my own cows were sold. And so I had this idea that at some point I need to go there. And I had a geography teacher who'd been all over the world. And, you know, I thought it was very interesting. And when I got here and decided then to stay at the end of 1983, it was amazing because at that time the world was not like it is now. You know, we were writing letters on paper and all those fun things. And things have changed so much since then. But the thing that I think is so important is that we just need to keep reinventing ourselves. And that's one of the things that happens with customer experience, I think, because 
customers change, the environment changes, the medium we use to interact with a person can exchange. There can be so many changes going on, and I think being abreast of those things is what's so important, and I hope what I'll be able to give some insights into today as far as the communication part goes and what that means for you as a person in customer experience, but also what that has to do with your customers and how they're relating to you and your company. Mm-hmm. And I and I I should also mention that what's also exciting about having Rhonda join us is she's joining us from Germany, which is fantastic because um, it's great to get international perspective as she just shared with our uh, with us, and I think that's uh, so important for us as we uh, as CX professionals because of CX isn't a U.S. only initiative. It's it's a global initiative. And uh, I think it's great along those lines. So I'm going to pick up on something you said, Rhonda. I'm going to ask you the question, how did a person who grew up on a dairy farm in Pennsylvania end up doing what you're doing and doing it in Germany? So you've got to, you've got to give us an insight okay. on your career path. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I was an exchange student in high school. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people did that when they were when they were going to school and they went off. And I ended up coming to Germany and not because I had learned a little bit of German in school, which I had, but um, because the family in Germany was very much like the family, my own real natural family. And so the grandparents, like my grandparents, had a farm. And so I was living with a family that was sort of a mirror of my family, just that they were in Germany and my family was in the U.S. And when I came back, although I planned to study music and play three instruments and sing and compose, I came home and said, no, I'm going to study German. And my family has no German background, no German blood, no German ancestry, but I made the decision that this was the place I was going to be, and this was back in 1976. Um, Did my undergraduate degree in German, uh, did my junior year abroad in Vienna, worked at Siemens as an intern in the summer afterwards, came back and then did my graduate work in English as a second language, which I had learned about at working at Siemens and German then at Penn State. And at the end of 83, Penn State sent me to do an undergraduate program for people who spoke no German and to do three semesters in one semester by doing it an intensive living in Germany instead of living in the U.S., And I was the first person from Penn State to ever be the graduate assistant to be doing that. So I came over, ran the program for a year, and decided I didn't want to go back, and I've lived here ever since. And at the beginning, had to get sort of classic jobs like language schools and things, because as an American citizen, I wasn't allowed to just stay here. You know, I needed to have a visa and a residence permit and all of those things. But in the meantime, I still have an American passport (laughs) and I still, and now I have a permanent residence permit, obviously, but uh, in 1988, I made the move to start my own business. And since then, I've been doing that and doing all kinds of various and wonderful things in that time, including making a cultural series for German educational TV, which has been running since 1999 and still running on German television. Um, I've taught negotiation to people from a large global chemical company all over the world, over 750 people. And so negotiating, negotiating with government officials is my expertise, not prices and sales quotas and whatever. This is really a whole different kind of negotiation. And it means you have to be so much more aware of what's going on on the other side of the table. Because mm-hmm. if I want to buy a car and I don't like the dealer, I just go to another dealership. 
if I want to have a product introduced into a country and the people at the government authority don't like me, my company never gets to sell anything there. Millions get lost and there's no other authority to go to. So the idea of making sure that you're looking at what's going on on the other side, I work with scientists, wonderful scientists, but I'm not a scientist. So I'm the person bringing in that other part about how are they thinking? How are we thinking? What do we want? What do they want? I speak a lot of my work, not about meeting expectations, about matching expectations. Mm. And I think that's so important for people in customer experience because what you think is the right thing for a customer, maybe it is, maybe it's not, but if you don't know what they're expecting and they don't know what to expect from you, then maybe you're never getting together. And that may be a big, huge part of the problem why the communication isn't working, for example. And so I talk about this matching expectations, and I think that makes a big difference in making sure that you have that second pair of glasses on or the antennas out or however you want to call it to make sure you really understand what's going on on the other side. That makes the communication so much easier then. It does. And I want to build on on a point you made there about uh, the cross-functional nature of customer experience because it really is uh, oftentimes customer experience individuals, uh, whether they're an individual contributor or a leader of a team, have to cut across all the different parts of the organization, uh, marketing, operations, finance, you name it. They're, they're probably involved in some of that uh, at some point in time as they're trying to drive initiatives through the organization. So, and that's, that. It, conversely, while that's great, it's cross-functional, converse to the, the converse of that is it's challenging. And and how do they how do they work across the organization? Can you talk a little bit more about what you've seen in your experiences and and what might be some tips for our professionals to try to do that more effectively? Yeah, let me let me tell you a story about a lady that was in a middle management position in the implementation part of a huge IT SaaS company. Uh, which is American, but operates all over the world. And she in Germany is the third of five departments that all talk to the same client. So we have pre-sales, and then we have sales, and then we have implementation, and then we have support, and then we have maintenance. All five of these departments must all speak to the client, but about different things and at different times and for different reasons. The biggest problem in this company was she was in the middle the salespeople who've been working with a client forever and once the contract was signed, people were still coming back to the salesman and saying, so when are you going to start implementing our project? The salesman thinking, oh, the guy wants to start right away. I'll tell him we'll start next month. And when the implementation manager reached out and said, you're scheduled for three months from today, they said, no, 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 no. The sales guy told me we're starting this month. And you see what's going on. It's internal lack of alignment, which is then causing all of the trouble to the outside with the client. And the client doesn't know who to speak to about what. Handover isn't being done seriously. And I always say it's like being in a big company. I'm sure a lot of people here have experienced this. You're in a meeting room and the walls are all made of glass. And you can look into the next room and there's another meeting going on and you have a an idea, and you think you know what's happening, but see, you don't hear it. Mm -hmm. And so what are you doing 
you're trying to figure out what's going on without having all the input. And that's why I talk about you don't have to worry about getting through a glass ceiling. Don't worry about getting to the next level. You first have to get through the glass walls. You have to know what's going on at your own level, which is why I do this in a program which I call Connect to Climb. If you're not connected here, you're not going to climb up to the next level. And that's all based on this experience because I actually sat with this woman plus all of the other heads of these other four departments, and we spent an entire day working through who does what with whom when and set up an entire system to make sure that everybody was on the same page. And we then got rid of all of this client distraction, disorientation, um, confusion that was going on because then people knew, oh, yeah, I love my sales guy, but he's not responsible for me anymore. Now I have to talk to this lady because she's in charge of implementation. If that's not clear to clients, if they don't know who to go for to for what, then they keep going back to the person they like or the person they've spent the most time with or the guy they just happened to get on the phone. <laughs> well, but see, that's not going to help in the end because what's important of course is getting the right information from the right person at the right time and so that's exactly what this program does it makes sure that everybody sits down and comes out to what exactly has to be done to make sure the client knows what's going on and i think that's a huge part of customer experience making sure that the communication to the client is clear not just from one person but from all of the different groups in a matrix organization as you said that have to make sure that everybody's aligned on that it's it's like you know the sales done so you so the rest should happen just by chance as opposed to onboarding the customer and explaining it i mean I think we've all had experiences where you, where a sale's been made and you call the salesperson. They say, well, you, I'm done with you. You have to go over to this department. Well, when were you going to tell me that, right? Um, exactly. and, and if you tell me that, I'll, I'll follow instructions really well. I'll go yeah. to the department you tell me to, but you got to tell me where that department is. So, Rodney, if so, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I've run into that too with operating mechanisms among departments. If we layer now on the cultural aspect and the difference in culture, because you work with companies that are international, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do as well, how does that aspect come into play with the cultural on top of the matrix and everything else? If I'm dealing with somebody, you know, if I'm in the U.S. and dealing with my team in Europe or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the important thing is you know, the tagline for my for my company is insights and support for communication across cultures. Mm -hmm. I don't consider myself intercultural or cross-cultural in the classic sense that everybody uses those words. But I say culture has always two parts. What we just talked about was the organizational culture. So why does the sales department and the implementation delivery people and the support people, you know, they're all different cultures. And everybody I speak to about this always says, oh, yeah, that guy in marketing, you know, an engineer, he doesn't understand me. He's go out and telling these people we can do all this. And it takes me a year to even get this figured out in the system. And I can't do this next week, you know, and they just don't understand each other. But they come from different cultures. They have different goals. And we're back to matching expectations. It's exactly the same thing. The other problem, of course, is, and I've found very often, if I take two people, one from China and one from Germany, and if they're both engineers and I sit them down and they do something together, it often works better than the marketing person and the engineering person from the same company, even if they grew up in the same town and their offices are three doors down from each other. 
I often find that the mentality that we have is not only based so much on where we grew up, but engineers are engineers and marketing people are marketing people. And in a lot of senses, their culture as an organizational culture is much stronger and much easier for them to get along. And the geographical culture doesn't make as big a difference anymore. When I went to Japan the first time to work, everybody said, oh, Rhonda, you have to learn how to hand business cards to people and two hands and who bows lowest and who looks whom in the eye and all of those wonderful things that you could learn out of all kinds of books and internet stages and whatever. And I went to Japan and what happened? Somebody knew that I was American or that I was coming from Germany and I certainly don't look Japanese. And so what did the guy do? He took a business card and took it with one hand and handed it to me. Well, he had learned something and I had learned something. So, of course, where were we? And everybody was trying to match expectations. Everybody was trying to figure out what the other side was doing. So a lot of what we used to do with culture has changed because now a lot of culture is virtual culture Mm -hmm. as well. So you and I are sitting here today having a wonderful Zoom call. We can see each other. The fact that my office is in Germany and that your office is in America doesn't make the same amount of difference as it did in the past because we're not always getting on a plane and traveling someplace. A lot of the playing field has been leveled in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's easier now for people to get along with people from other countries because there are so many things you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about handing business cards. You don't have to worry about what language do the people in the hotel speak. You know, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. We we have had such a wonderful move forward through all of the things that technology, especially based on what happened in the pandemic, but even before that, We've had such wonderful things happen to us, which have made those things so much easier than they used to be in the past. My team consists of an American who lives in Germany, a gentleman in Kenya, a lady in South Africa, and a gentleman in the Philippines. And as soon as you and I finish speaking today, all of us are going to be meeting online and running our business. And see, a few years ago, none of us would have even thought of that. Mm -hmm. And it is so much easier now for all of us to be doing these things. And I hope to get to see some of these people someday in real life, if if I'm fortunate. But if not, see, we can set up a wonderful relationship with people, including customers, even if we only see them online. Even if we only speak to them through an electronic medium. Even if maybe we don't speak to them personally, but for example, a chatbot speaks to people. Mm. If you're going to program chatbots well to take care of people, you get through so much of what's going on by using AI before you really need the part where the individual person, where you need the specialization and the personalization from a human being as opposed to an AI unit, whatever that's called. And that is something that is moving us so much into the future. We're going to have so much more time for good personal connections because we're going to cut through a lot of the things that AI is going to be able to do for us. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is going to be another cultural aspect that I'm really looking forward to getting into and seeing how that's going to affect us. This morning, I watched a video between a bot, a robot, a real person-looking machine, speaking to a man about who has what level of consciousness and how they interact with each other. And the bot was speaking on its own. We are so far in advance and we need to make sure that we can use those kinds of things to help customers even better 
than we're doing now. And I think AI is going to be a huge advancement in how we are able to make a really, really wonderful customer experience. Mm -hmm. So Rhonda, let's, let's pursue that a little bit more. I mean, there is a lot of noise around AI right now, and a lot of it focused on what is the experience and how are we utilizing it. And I think you're obviously a well-read person. You see that you see the pluses and minuses that people are talking about with AI and in the, in the in the customer service industry, as opposed to customer experience, customer and having been a customer service professional for many years, our tendency is to say, "How can we use AI to cut costs?" As opposed to, "How can we use AI to communicate better?" As you as you just described, yeah. cut through that so we can get to the core um, relationships. Um, what do you think about that? Where where I mean, you've talked about AI. Where do you think we're going with this? And and can we use it to our advantage without getting into this? Let's use it as a cost a cost advantage. Oh, well, yeah. Well, no. And I mean, everything we should be doing in business, as far as I'm concerned, is that we should grow. And part of growing is becoming more efficient. Because if you're not wasting things, time, money, resources, whatever, then you have more to be going forward and to be doing better things. So if you will... AI is a natural part of what's going on in our lives. If you think back, there's this wonderful picture online of a street in New York City with only horses and, and carriages and one car. And 10 years later, it's the same street with only one horse and, ten, and everybody else has a car. That sounds like a long time, but see, what we're doing now doesn't take that long because we have so much more as a basis. And so just as we've moved faster now through cars and other means of transportation, we're now moving faster in service. We're able to do things in a way that's more efficient and hopefully more effective. I mean, there's been a lot of things that have happened. I know if when I call and ask for service Somewhere, sometimes the experience is very good and sometimes it's not. I mean, we're, we're in a transition phase now, so that's extremely important. But I think what's going to be really great is we're really going to be able to concentrate on the things where somebody wants re something really special and really individual that no IAI can handle. That's fine because we'll have more time to do that. I'm really looking forward to and something I've done in all my years as the title I've given myself is a global strategic communication guide. I take people and go with them on a journey, wherever that journey takes them. And no matter whether we're talking about cultural, like the fact that we talked about organizational and, and geographical, but now I'm also starting to talk about what is natural intelligence, like from animals, like swarms of bees, you know, how do they interact? What are we learning from that? What is human intelligence and what is artificial intelligence? So for me, the kind of intelligence we're incorporating into things is another new phase of culture, if you will. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I think we have the opportunity now to say we're not doing things to cut costs only or to make things shorter or faster, you know, Superman, you know, higher jumper, whatever kinds of things. <laughs> we're doing it to make sure that we have this better experience and improving the way things work. And I think it's so important for us to remember that when that happens, we are then leaving space and time open for us to be creating new things, to work on innovation, to try to find ways to do things that we haven't done them before. If we get rid of the routine, the normal things, and something or someone else is taking care of that, we as people who are really trying to put value into the world 
have the opportunity to find ways to do value in new ways that are creative and innovative and then give even more service to our customers and make sure that their lives are being improved through that as well. I mean, it, it, it goes somewhat full circle back to what you talked about at the beginning of this podcast was matching expectations. Yes. And, and customer experience professionals spend a lot of time trying to understand what the customer expectation is and trying to align the organization to those expectations. And there's a lot of discussion, again, within the customer experience world about surveying and uh, are we inundating customers with too many surveys and what are we doing with the data? And I think that might be another aspect of artificial intelligence that can yes. help us dig into the data that we have because oftentimes organizations gather lots of data but don't do anything with the data. And so the improvements are lacking within an organization. Ha tell me a little bit about what you've seen with this whole idea of big data and data collection and how you use that in your in your uh, business. Well, let me let me refer you to um, a very well. You talked about surveys. Um, yes. Let me talk about a, a survey application that I'm using that I personally think is very very good because. What you do is it's AI integrated. So that means you go in and you say what you're looking for and what kind of people you want to address and what kind of information you want to get. And the system basically generates the entire survey for you. And all you have to do is sit down and figure out, yes, I like this question. No, I'd like to change that word, whatever. It will actually set up the landing page. It will set up the actual survey. It will set up the results. It will report the results back to you. And then if you click on one person's result and say, I would like to send this person an email, it pulls all of their results out and puts it in the email for you. Wow. This all happens with AI. You put Excellent. in a very minimalist amount of stuff and you then post this wherever you want to post it, on your website, on your LinkedIn profile, wherever you were putting things. And when people click on that, it not only gives them the entire report, which it generates as well, and you just have to check it. You know, it's it's customizable, so you can put on your logos, you can put in videos about your company, you can put in whatever you want. It's all included in this one thing. And as I said, when things come back, it will write in a LinkedIn post, it will write... Um, a white paper, it will write a telephone script if you want to call these people, all based on exactly that input that you got from that particular person and the results they got on the survey. That already exists. And that's something that makes life so much easier because once you put that in there, you're getting all of that data and you can then say, yeah, you had 62% in something or other, but the average person who took this had 74%. So maybe there's a way for us now to make sure that we get you from the 62% up to the 74 or even beyond. So these are all ways that the AI is actually working together with the person to then be able to go and talk to the customer about what it is where and where there could be an improvement. Outstanding. It's just fascinating where we're going and what's uh how we can advance customer experience mm -hmm. uh, Rhonda this has been a fascinating discussion before I let you go a couple of final uh questions for you one is I know you're um speaking at a conference coming up do you want to share a little bit about that conference especially for our international listeners yes 
Um, this is a conference that is being organized by an organization in India, but they do it in two different places. So I will be in Dubai at the end of February, but there will also be the same conference, which I will not be attending, in Las Vegas in March. And I will make sure that we talk about give you the link. Um, this company does something that I think is absolutely wonderful, and I've never experienced this before. I'm looking forward to it. They are starting a new conference called a CXO conference. So there, this is exactly for the folks that are listening to our, our talk today. And it's, as I said, being held in two places, one in Dubai, one in the U.S. The other thing that's important is this conference doesn't take place on its own. It's in parallel with five other, four other conferences. So they're all taking place in the same building. And you can go and look at what's happening for the CXOs, but I will also be on a panel for the education conference. There'll be a health conference. There are all these things running in parallel, and if you come to one, you get a chance to choose all of the other ones. So it may be for listeners in in our audience today who are CXOs, it may be, though, if they're in health, for example, there'll also be a health conference going on. So it cross-populates, and I think it's absolutely wonderful and gives people the opportunity We'll make sure that the link goes in in the notes so that everybody would have a chance to see if they would like to come either to Dubai and then they you could talk to me in person or if not there will be other colleagues doing a similar conference then in Las Vegas. Sounds great, and I will uh, listeners provide those links when we post the uh, podcast. And last but not least, Rhonda, um, how do how do listeners get in touch with you or? learn more about what you're doing, um, having been intrigued by our conversation today. Well, let me say one other link that I'll send that I think is really important. As we were talking about artificial intelligence, there's a wonderful website called There's an AI for That. We'll link that as well, because if you're looking into AI and you're just so overwhelmed and you think you don't know what you want to be doing, you just go to this page and you type in what you're looking for, and it tells you all the different AI options that you have. So it's a wonderful place for you to get started and to get some extra information. But if you'd like to talk to a real person, that would be me, then I will also make sure that um, there'll be a link to, to what I call a value exchange call. All that means is that you go online, you fill in one of those little forms from another service, not the one that's is an older form that I've had, and you tell me what you're interested in. And then I will get on the call and I will be able to help you with whatever it is right at the beginning. And I will give you some value and you will give back some value to me and we will have a value exchange call. You can set everything up. It's free of charge. You answer the few questions. You pick a time on my calendar. Um, my calendar, just for something for me that's important for customer service, I have clients at the moment from Singapore to San Francisco. My calendar runs from 7 in the morning till 9 in the evening. Monday to Friday, because otherwise I don't have the opportunity to speak to everybody at a time that's convenient for them. And a lot of people say, are you crazy? You have a calendar that runs from 7 in the morning till 9 in the evening. That's 14 hours. Of course, I don't work with people all day long and all that time. But see, that's part of the customer experience for me. If I'm going to serve people well, it needs to be at a time that's convenient for them. So don't worry. I'm sure you will find a good half-hour slot that will help you, and we will do it at a time that's convenient for both of us. That's great. And I can attest to the value exchange when Rhonda and I first met. Um, 
she had some questions for me and, and one of the comments she made to me was, what can I help you with now? And so um, uh, that was, I don't know if that was a formal value exchange meeting we had, but it sure felt like it at the end. So uh, I appreciate that. <clears throat> Rhonda, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, it's been really great talking to you. I hope um, that our listeners take advantage of the value exchange, but also of the other links that I'll provide to them that you've shared with us today. Thank you so much. I really look forward to seeing people perhaps in Dubai, if not just on a screen as Bob and I have seen each other today and exchange some value and find out how we can make sure that your customer service is working and that things within your organization are working as well. Excellent. Thanks, Rhonda. And listeners, this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed this, please share it with your networks and as and stay tuned for future episodes of this podcast, as well as my fellow podcasters on the CXFM radio network. Until next time, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.